Welcome back to The Eye Test, a fantasy football podcast for those who are tired of hearing boring stats all day. As always, I'm your host, Bobby Amendola, and of course, joined by my good friends and my co-host, Paul Orlando and John Kirkner. This is our week four recap. Buckle the fuck up because you are about to win or lose your fantasy week. So week four, basically in the books, boys, all of us had shitty fantasy week. Yeah. Very rough out here. I'm about to be one and three. Paul, you're gone on 0 and four. And John, you're still holding on at three and one. But all lost, all L's across the board, boys. Yeah, I had some rough injuries with Javante Williams getting injured. So I got to bring the squad together and just maybe have a nice little locker room talk or something like that. But my bench boys got to step it up now. Yeah, John, that's a tough one. Do you have somebody lined up in RB2 to take his space? You're going to be looking for a trade. No, I don't. Honestly, I like my depth right now and running back. It worked out every week. I'm always like deciding whether to start Marquise Brown or Miles Sanders at the flex position. And really, it should be Deontay Johnson or Miles Sanders. But I kept Deontay in there just because of his target share. And uh, I'm like ignoring Marquise Brown's production for some reason. So like now I'm forced to start Marquise Brown. I'll move Miles Sanders up to my RB2 slot. And then on my bench, I got... Raheem Mostert and Tyler Algier, who's a nice pickup due to Cordell Patterson's injury. So, yeah, CPAT IR. I'm, I'm feeling okay right now, but one more injury is going to put me over the edge. Paul, how about you, man? In the, in the panic mode. Paul, how about you? Starting 0 4. I know you've had some bad luck, but 0 4 is still 0 4, my guy. Yeah, no, it's things have not been going my way this year. I sure. have. Uh, dude, I have the most points against by like a large margin. So oh, people are just ruining me. And I have like the fifth or sixth most points for. So you would think that would at least land me at a 500 record, like B2 and 2 or something, catch a couple breaks here and there. But I'm, to be very honest with you though, I sat down with my team. We talked it out. They're all playing, their, they're all playing pretty well. They're all doing their best. And it's just, Sometimes you're behind the eight ball more than you would like to. But best believe, I'm a fourth quarter player. So these next couple weeks moving forward, it's going to be, I'm probably going to light the league on fire and climb up the leaderboards. It's a good sign to like look for that point four stat. Not many people do that. They're so stuck on the record. So they just go right into panic mode. But with your guys are still, (laughs) they're still scoring. So I think you just kind of got to bunker down and hope for the best. Yeah. And I've actually started 0-4 and made the playoffs. So, Paul, there is precedent for you making the playoffs still. But I don't even want to talk about my team. This is like three times out of four weeks that my team's put up under 100 points. Nothing has gone my way this fantasy season so far. The only win I've gotten was against Paul and Sterling Shepard, as we all know, sacrifices ACL for that win. So I'm just going to leave it at that. My team sucks right now. Need to get healthy. We'll see what happens. But we already talked about a little bit with Javante Williams, but a lot of injuries this week. So let's just go through these injuries because a lot of them have fantasy implications so far. And we'll just start with Javante Williams. Pretty Torn ACL out for the year. Hurts a lot of people. We know John took him in the second round. So he's pretty much done. Nothing coming. Yeah, that dude needs a whole new leg. It wasn't just his ACL. It was like his PCL, his MCL. Like he, Was it that he, bad? I didn't see it. He's yeah, done. Like, be... He's going to miss some of next year. Like he, He's yeah, done. There, there was like four or five different three-letter acronyms that he tore or ruined. So <laughs> it's 
It reminds me, honestly, I'd have to compare it to the Dobbins injury from last preseason mm-hmm. because it sounds like it's brutal and it's going to be a long road back. And Javante's young, so hopefully he'll be back. We're all rooting for him just because he is great for fantasy as a young, up-and-coming, pass-catching running back. Yeah, definitely puts some, especially in Dynasty Leagues, definitely puts a little gloom in his outlook, but... We'll see what happens when he comes back, you know, if he's the same player. But another big injury, Tua, Thursday night football. A lot of, there's like a whole investigation actually happening with it. It's very strange. So how long is he going to be out, John? Uh, We don't know yet. I mean, he's definitely out this week. It really comes down to like, is there other damage than just a concussion? I mean, it Mm -hmm. seems like. There's no structural damage, apparently. Yeah, but I'm worried about like his. Like vertebrae, like his spinal cord, his neck. I just, I'm hoping that is quickly healed up because I'm a Tua owner in two leagues and he's a starter for one of my leagues. So that mm. is rough. Yeah. So, I mean, definitely a blow to the Dolphins. And this also feels like a situation where they might, they're definitely not going to rush him back because Teddy Bridgewater did play well. So, yeah, yeah, and they already tried to rush him back, so now they're yeah. like totally not rushing him back. Yeah, so don't be relying on Tua these next couple of weeks, pretty much is the gist of it. And another high-profile player that got hurt, actually, too, doesn't look to be that serious as Jonathan Taylor. They feared that he was going to have a high ankle sprain, but looks like it's not going to be serious, and he may be able to suit up for week. It'll be week five on Thursday starting. Quick turnaround for him, so looks like he avoided a major injury, which is good. Unlike Javante Williams. Yeah, and then another pretty relevant injury is Corderell Patterson. Oh, yeah, that happened yeah. today, didn't it? Or that was news like happened he was, today. He was put on the IR today. But the injury happened in game yesterday. Yeah, I didn't see it. I just saw Tyler Algier had like a pretty decent game, and I was like, mm-hmm. ooh, picked him up on the waiver wire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no rooting for injuries, though, of course. No, we don't yes, do that. Just, it's all insurance policy. Yeah. And another mild injury that, you know, doesn't have as much relevance. Rashad Bateman it looks like he has a midfoot issue, but doesn't look like it's too bad or anything like that. And he's not really too relevant at this point in time in fantasy. So just something to monitor if he's in your flex conversation, you know, at this point this week. But. Wait, Boys. I got one more that we oh, that we didn't talk about. Surprise injury. Traylon Burks got carted off of the game last week. Or yesterday. I did not know that. Yeah. Really? Yep. And it looks like it was his foot. So I don't know if he's ruled out, but he was carted off. What about something. D? How about uh, DK? Admit- what? <laughs> I was gonna say DK Metcalf got carted off to take a hit. <laughs> <laughs> Does that count as an injury? Yeah, and then what about Mitch Trubisky got diagnosed with small penis? <laughs> Can he dude, fix that, it that down, diagnosis baby? came out like five years ago. That's not <laughs> new, dude. He has ligma, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right, boys. Jokes aside, we all lost this week pretty much. We're pretty much all guaranteed to lose, so... New segment, kind of a testament to Step Brothers, is the white dog shit. What player made you eat the white dog shit this week? Basically, what player ruined your entire fantasy week on the opposing team? So, Paul, let me hear it. 0-4, who 
made you eat the white dog shit this week. Yeah. So uh, first of all, how great is that scene from Step Brothers when he's just face to face with some white mold like, dog he's shit? Like, <laughs> <laughs> he licks it. And oh, they're teenagers and everything. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah. Oh, uh, so Austin Eckler threw me down, force fed me some white dog shit. It was, I know a lot of people have invested highly in Austin Eckler in this draft. He was pretty much the consensus third pick overall. Definitely worth a top five pick in most drafts. And so having him come out and go over 100 yards, two touchdowns, six catches. It was nice to see from a fantasy perspective because top 10 picks have really been in a lull all year pretty much like none of them have really been living up to expectations up until this week with a few guys so it was nice to see it was nice to see Eckler come back for a lot of people I have him in one of my other leagues so I can't be too upset but definitely in our main league right here I wish that he could have just popped off next week like just give me a break please and he gave you the business this week he did Eckler Eckler didn't even take me to dinner first he just went right to it John, who gave you, who made you eat the white dog shit? First loss of the year. Yeah, it was rough. Was I mean, it? I went against a fantasy manager who went the no RB route, the zero RB route. Yeah. Um, so his yeah, first running back was like Cam Akers in the fourth. And um, mm-hmm. that shit, they have to be the first game of the year, I think. And uh, he, he got a quick taste that Cam Akers wasn't going to be relevant. But no, I mean. His zero RB strategy worked, and specifically talking about Damian Pierce, he grabbed Damian Pierce in the later rounds. And Damian Pierce has been RB3 level, like just like he can get you 10 points, but his, you know, we never really saw a ceiling that he could reach. And boy, did he hit that this week. Scored 30 points, maybe like high 20s in standard PPR leagues. And he's getting, you can see he's getting more and more active in this offense. That first week, it was like, is he going to be used enough? But like, we, we shouldn't have overreacted after that first week. It's a rookie running back getting implemented into the NFL. Uh, You can see they're driving up his usage every single game this year. He has had double digit rushing attempts. He has not dropped a single ball thrown his way. Granted first through first three weeks, he wasn't getting that many targets. They ramped it up this week. They gave him six targets. He had six completions. All we really need to see from him is more red zone looks in order to stay consistent and get closer to that ceiling every week and uh, stay away from that 10-point floor that he's got. It's nice to see Damian Pierce has that home run ability where you know, hey, if you're in a crunch and you need big play, you can put in Damian Pierce. So Damian Pierce made you eat the white dog shit. Yeah, he made me lose. I think if he got his normal scoring of like 10 to 12 points and Javante Williams didn't get injured and had an average game, I'd be in contention to win this one. Yeah, definitely a rough one for all of us. And mine is actually a special circumstance because I not only had to eat white dog shit from an opposing player, but also from someone on my own team. I had a 12-point turnaround that probably could have won me the week. So in the Jets game, basically Brees Hall – Completely screwed me. Scored that late touchdown that maybe was a fumble, but obviously crossed the plane before, you know, the end zone rule and everything like that. So that's six points right there. And then shortly after that, I have Devin Singletary breaking free for a touchdown late in the game. And what does he do? He kneels the ball at the goal line. Uh. 12 points that could have completely changed my week, and I'd be at 500 and not one and three. So I ate shit from 
a player on my team and an opposing player. Just terrible, terrible week for the me. The old double whammy, huh? Yeah. Bob, as a Jets fan, like when Brees Hall scored that touchdown, what did you like? If I was a fly on the wall watching you watch the game, like what did you do? I mean, so normal like football like the jets and like their record will always come before fantasy for me no matter what unless it's like the championship game or something where real money's like i could bear fantasy teams being shit if the jets are, are even respectable you don't get to have nice things as a jet fan so <laughs> it's it yeah. was like it was exciting because it was the game winning touchdown but at the same time like that probably seals my deal to lose this week so like paul said double whammy on both ends jets win but i lose in fantasy and that's kind of the story of my season so far kind of sucks well it's kind of nice that the jets are technically more relevant than the ravens right now dude okay <laughs> paul <clears throat> they did Paul, they did kind of outplay the ravens week one <laughs> Dude, they kind of did. Yeah, but we still beat you guys by like three touchdowns. <laughs> so like, what? we made no, you no, work really the, hard for it. Dude, the eye test, bro. The Jets, the Jets were passing the eye. The Ravens weren't passing the eye test. Dude, Ooh, we were passing the eye test in the worse first than half. Being relevant. Dude, we were passing the eye test in the first half, and then I have no idea what happened. And I was at the game. All right, boys. It is overreaction Monday, so we have the pleasure of overreacting to a bunch of headlines here on Monday. So I'm going to throw at you a few statements, and you're going to tell me if they're overreactions or if they're not overreactions. So the first one, kind of an obvious one with the Javante Williams injury. Melvin Gordon is automatically a running back, too. Whoa. Overreaction. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. I mean, come on, guys. Give me a, give me some give me some juice with that yeah I, go ahead Donna. i'll let you go first and then i will take you to school so so it's an overreaction because one i don't think melvin gordon can handle a workload of two running backs so for him to be an rb2 like he's got to be able to stay healthy and have that be able to handle that usage so i think they're going to force russell wilson to Utilize the passing game more, which will boost stocks of Sutton and Judy. And I think Melvin Gordon will continue to get the same amount of rushing attempts, even with Javante Williams out. So you don't think it's going to correlate to Melvin Gordon getting more work? No. I think you're odd, John. I'm feeling a little little Javante Williams despair from you. John yeah, just, I, might, I might be overreacting from that, too. <laughs> John just hates Melvin Gordon now. I know. <laughs> Punch but, in air every time there's a touchdown. <laughs> that could have been Javante. <laughs> yeah. yeah, John's definitely got some personal bias going. All right, Paul, come on. Take him to school because I'm on your side. Yeah, so it would be different if we were asking Melvin Gordon to be an RB one moving forward to be a top 12 running back. Then I would say, okay, maybe that's a bit of an overreaction, but to be a top 24 running back from a guy with the talent that we've seen do it for years. And yes, I know he's a little older now, but he has handled this workload previously in his career and he's done very well with it. He can still catch a lot of passes out of the backfield. 
this offense is, even though they lost this week, it does seem like they're starting to kind of figure it out with Russell Wilson, even though I'm not a huge fan of Russell Wilson. Raiders defense is terrible, too. Yeah, and the defense is terrible. Their defense is terrible, too. But if it wasn't, like I said, if it was an RB1, I would be a little hesitant. But you're asking him to be a top 20. You're asking him to be an RB2. You're not asking him to get 20-plus points a game. You need him to get, like, 12 to 18. And with the volume and especially his pass-catching ability alone, I don't think Melvin Gordon even needs to score to hit those numbers moving forward. He's definitely going to be the guy they lean on. Mike Boone, you should 100% add him. Just in yeah, case, just, yeah, for sure. Just in case, just because <clears throat> the only thing that does scare me is Melvin Gordon is coming off of a negative one-point week this week, but I believed he left injured. So He also fumbled a couple times and kind of put in the doghouse, but the Javante Williams injury opened that right back up. So, you know, Paul, I'm definitely with you. I think Melvin Gordon could very easily push or – yeah, push for RB2 numbers. I don't think that'll be that big of a problem. I think the biggest concern, honestly, is him getting hurt. You know, Melvin Gordon's known to get hurt from time to time. And in that case, you definitely want to have Mike Boone on your roster. Yep. All right, boys. Now, moving on, let's talk Cowboys here. The Cowboys are a better fantasy team with Cooper Rush than Dak Prescott complete overreaction agreed Paul, your boy cd lamb has been money with cooper rush i know and i cannot complain i just saw something today that cd lamb is tied first in the league for catches that are 15 yards or more and so you love seeing that and that's with the dropped wide open 50 yard touchdown that would have given me the win last week but we don't live in the past. We laugh in the face of adversity, so that's here and we're there. But if you think that Dak Prescott isn't the currently the best quarterback living in the state of Texas right now, then <clears throat> you should probably go get some help and talk to somebody. Dak Prescott is a much better arm talent than Cooper Rush. He's been in this league, and he's proved it statistically at least. I know a lot of that's garbage time and <clears throat> what have you, but garbage time is great for fantasy wide receivers. So he knows CD land. They've been working together for a couple of years now. I think when Dak comes back and I also think with Michael Gallup being reinserted in the offense is also going to help CD lamb. And on top of that, help Dak Prescott. So I think Dak Prescott is far, far the better quarterback option for the Cowboys. John, what yeah. about you? I think Paul said everything I would have said there, honestly. I think it's an overreaction just simply because it's like, let's just wait a little bit. Like, let okay, if Dak keeps getting injured and Cooper Rush keeps delivering, I will come back and say that. I mean, dude, even then, it's just like so hard for me to get to the side of that Cooper Rush is like making the fantasy players better than that Dak he's, would. He's made, I think – He's made C.D. Lamb better. He hasn't exactly made everyone else better. Even though yeah. Gallup did okay, Zeke, not nothing really noteworthy. Pollard had a dud this week. Who's the other guy? Noah Brown, he did okay. Like, the Cowboys' yeah. offense, is it's more C.D. that's been benefiting from it. But there is some chatter out there that Cooper Rush may be better for the Cowboys than Dak. But <clears throat> I'm not on that train yet, especially in fantasy. But I mean, we'll see what happens with the Cowboys. But all right, moving on. Reigning Super Bowl champion losers had a 
Good game this week. One against, who did the Bengals play this week? I can't even remember off the top of my head. But regardless, T. Higgins had a massive game. Jamar Chase, very quiet. Dolphins, that's right. That's right. Very T. Higgins, massive game. Jamar Chase, okay game, but for his standards, not really. More of a quiet game on his end. So I'm going to say... Is it an overreaction saying T. Higgins is the wide receiver one on the Bengals for the rest of the year? Overreaction or not an overreaction? John, I see that look in your face. I want to know what you're thinking. Well, I'll I'll tell you why it's an overreaction with a question. Who gets double teamed more, Jamar Chase or T. Higgins? But we're talking... Because that's why Jamar Chase is the wide receiver one. Because he is drawing so like T. Higgins is having a great year. He's having a better year than Jamar Chase right now. But Jamar Chase is the first person Joe Burrow's looking at when he drops back. And then he probably sees that he's getting doubled and that T. Higgins is open. So I think it's an overreaction right now. And honestly, they can keep playing how they are, but on paper, Jamar Chase is wide receiver one. And for Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase is the wide receiver one. Come on, Paul. I know you feel somewhere deep in your heart that T. Higgins could be the better fantasy receiver for the rest of the year. I see it. Just a little bit. Bob, <clears throat> you are absolutely correct. I would not be hey. surprised. It, I would not be surprised if T. Higgins has 30 more fantasy points than Jamar Chase when, when all this is said and done this year. T. Higgins is out there. <clears throat> and just to John's point, Jamar Chase is usually drawing the better cornerback. He's definitely has the safety's eyes on that deep ball. So they're definitely overcompensating for him, which just leaves T. Higgins a lot of room to work. And that's what he's been exactly. doing lately. And we'll talk about – I'll talk about T. Higgins more in a few segments just because I do have him on something I want to go more in depth with. But T. Higgins right now, he's got the talent. Joe Burrow has the arm. The offensive line has looked a lot better for the Bengals. I wouldn't be surprised if Jamar Chase keeps drawing those double coverage. The exactly. safeties keep looking out over the top for him. And T. Higgins just feasts. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's – T. Higgins is the more like – he can go deep, but he's the more like underneath guy, mid-intermediate route guy, whereas Jamar Chase is known for that like real deep ball, deep receiver. and. If he keeps drawing those double teams, I definitely don't think it's crazy to see T. Higgins finish above him in fantasy this year. All right, guys. Moving on. Another a running back that we all have grown accustomed to being a stud in fantasy. Has been a little injury prone, but now, even though he's not injured, through four weeks of the season, hasn't really been doing it. It hasn't been passing the eye test for me at all, at least. So I want to hear what you guys think. Dalvin Cook is becoming fantasy irrelevant. It's too quick to say that that's true. I'm going to call it an overreaction right now, and it's simply because they're like still giving Dalvin Cook a lot of rushing attempts. He's just not really finding the end zone that much. You can Same just case like last year. Yeah, it's really it's tough. tough. It's tough. It's tough. I would say it's a real statement if like Madison was getting looks into while Cook was on the field, but like he's just not. So I got to say that Dalvin Cook is still fantasy relevant because the day you bench him and think he is irrelevant, he's going to yep. go off. Like yep. he's a must start. He's a must start, which means that he's fantasy relevant in my eyes. 
and you must start. You use the everyone, you know, there's no way he drops the second round in any draft. So you use the first round pick on the guy. He's going to be in all your lineups, no matter what, even if he continues putting up 10 points a game for the rest of the season. No one's benching him. But Paul, exactly. Paul, what do you think? Do you think that there's a chance that he's starting to become fantasy irrelevant now? Madison did vote touchdown from him, and Cook was healthy today. I know, and <clears throat> I the key word here that stands out to me is becoming fantasy yeah. irrelevant. Uh, yeah. So I worded yes. it very – I tried yes. to word it as best as I could. You did. You worded it perfectly, Bob, you magician. So it's <laughs> – yes, I believe he is becoming fantasy irrelevant. He's getting older. He doesn't look as crisp and as fast – and he doesn't accelerate like he used to. He's certainly not catching passes as much as he used to, which that was one of the reasons why we all love Dalvin Cook because he was a threat on the receiving end and the rushing end. I think that he is becoming fantasy irrelevant, but obviously this year you draft him in the first round, like we said, you're never going to sit the guy because the minute you do, he's going to go nuts. He's still getting around like 20 opportunities a game. So just for that volume alone, you can't, you're, uh, it's tough, but I, I, I see the pain in all our faces that a guy we've kind of not grew up, but like he's been like one of those running backs that you're always confident in drafting the past like five or so years. And at some point, these players do decline. So it's just yeah. like, it's, it's tough to admit it sometimes. But hopefully he can get it together for this fantasy season at least. Yeah, but it is heartbreaking because I'm sure all of us have had Dalvin Cook, at least in some league over the years. And he yeah. was very kind yeah. of us. I've never I drafted him last year, second overall pick when he was the consensus second overall pick behind CMC, and he did absolutely nothing. So mm-hmm. it was really that. Dalvin like, Cook was very kind to me three years ago. Yes, I think I've only it. had Alexander Madison in like all my leagues for the last four years. I'm just waiting. I'm like <laughs> the guy who bought Netflix stock in 2002. John's still waiting for that. John's still waiting for that Madison tingle to come to fruition where Dalvin could be out for the whole year. Yes. (laughs) But our final statement on overreaction Monday, and this is a good one. This is a real good one because everyone was kind of waiting for this. Kenny Pickett is the answer to the Steelers offense fantasy woes. I'm going to go this is an overreaction. And for the simple reason of watching Kenny Pickett, yeah, watching Kenny Pickett last week, if you look at him and Mitch Trubisky, it's like choosing between a shit sandwich and a shit sub. Like it's, <laughs> you you don't win here. You, you really don't win here. I will say Kenny Pickett did not have an incompletion yesterday. He was, that, he was, seven, yeah, not no. a single ball tr- touched, the not ground. a single ball touched the ground, but he did throw three picks. <laughs> oh, okay. You, I was like, I saw him complete some passes. I don't know what you're talking about talking about yeah he was seven for ten with three interceptions so he's still young pittsburgh obviously loves him i think that he's certainly better over mitch trubisky but for people to look at him and if you're a deontay johnson owner if you're a chase claypool owner the only one who's probably rooting for kenny pick right now is if you have george pickens who i stupidly traded for Derek carr because i was desperate for a quarterback he had a big game but he did have a big game when did you do that pick it in Dude, I did that like two weeks ago because yeah. <laughs> I did it for week three because my quarterbacks were Dak Prescott and Matt Ryan, who in two games didn't get me over five points. So I, Dude. my hands were tied. My hands were tied. I hated seeing Pickens go. But yeah, Paul, I mean, he, he wasn't were, doing 
the question are you really ever gonna like start a guy i like pickens if he you i know like your team already has better options you're not really gonna start Pickens unless he like starts consistently putting up 15 to like 18 points you know what i mean like you're not starting right. him over like cd lamb or who's your wide receiver too jalen waddle yeah you're just not doing well, that's right. the thing when you got it and we'll get to this later but when you're in a position of like strength in terms of if you have a lot of wide receivers you got to trade some of them away for a position that you need so right but john what do you think do you think kenny pickett is going to bring the steelers offense to fantasy relevance yeah, I do. I don't think it's an overreaction at all. I Kenny Pickett brings like a very creative offensive scheme that the Steelers can't do with Trubisky. And I think you can really attribute that to the fact that he's able to use his legs much more than Mitch Trubisky. So defenses have to account for him running the ball. As we saw, he had two rushing touchdowns. And we saw it briefly in the preseason where he was throwing to everyone. He was throwing to Pickens and Deontay Johnson. Um, Deontay Johnson... Had like two targets from Mitch Trubisky for 31 yards. And then he had three catches for like 60 or 70 yards once Kenny Pickett came in. So granted, Deontay Johnson shit the bed in terms of what he usually does each week. But it was just a weird game because quarterbacks were switching up, not panicking at all for Deontay Johnson. But yeah, I think Kenny Pickett is the answer for the Steelers' offensive fantasy woes. I think that they will notice a boost in offensive production with him under center. And Najee Harris owners rejoice. Those are the yeah. people that'll probably, especially because no Steelers were going in the first round. Najee Harris was a first-round pick. So these guys, people that drafted him, need him fucking bad. What's in the flex? <laughs> what? I can't even say it in that tone. <laughs> What's in the flag? What's in the flex? <laughs> all right, you heard us all say it. It is time for what's in the flex. Players, what's in the flex? That are ascending. <laughs> players that are ascending from your bench into the flex spots. John, we are going to start with you today. Who caught your eye this week that, that has been riding the bench all that is ascending in your view into a flex position? He's on a bad team with a quarterback that we thought would suck. And his name is Tyler Lockett. He is officially in the flag. Tyler Lockett. <laughs> Tyler yes. Lockett. A Seahawk. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, so I will say last week I did start Tyler Lockett in the flex. And he did a good job. So I was like, all right, what's Tyler Lockett known for? inconsistency all the other years this year no this year he is very consistent he's getting a lot of targets he's averaging 10 targets a game he's averaging eight catches a game and that's actually sorry that's in the last three games so the first game was very bad because it was geno smith's first game all right got to take that out in the last three games tyler lockett 10 targets eight catches on average he's also getting a ton of yards he's averaging over 90 yards over those last three games but I don't want to start him at the wide receiver two yet because he hasn't scored over 20 points in standard PPR leagues. He has before when Russell Wilson was the quarterback, when they were doing like, that's what Tyler Lockett was known for. Like he was only fantasy relevant if he had like an 80 yard touchdown. Uh, yeah. But now you see Tyler Lockett being a PPR machine, which we haven't seen before. And it's also promising because DK Metcalf had a great game too. And so did Tyler Lockett. So Geno Smith is 
doing very well under center. So I'm going to keep giving Tyler Lockett that flex spot, unless it's some crazy matchup where like the corner, both cornerbacks on the defensive side are locked down cornerbacks like my Philadelphia yep. Eagles are. <laughs> yeah, the Seahawks are kind of surprising. So I think after that first week, everyone thought, okay, this offense would be terrible, but they're picking it up now and Metcalf and Lockett are easing their way back to fantasy relevance. Paul, how about you? Who's ascending from the bench into your flex position? So this guy actually already ascended into my flex this week over Gabe Davis. And although he didn't put up a great game, he still did better than Gabe Davis. And that is Curtis Samuel for the Washington Commandos. Commanders. Whatever they (laughs) are now. (laughs) So through four games, he has 37 targets, which is almost 10 targets a game. And he's also rushing the ball a lot, too. They're using him as a running back. He's averaging 16 fantasy points a week. So he's had decent games. He's had good games. He's gotten over 20 points. He has been – this was his worst week with just under eight points, I believe. But he's still averaging 16 points a fantasy game. He scored two touchdowns. So they are looking for him in the red zone. They are looking for him to score. They are using him as a weapon. And so for someone that you – could have gotten off of waivers after the first week. You can't really ask for much more from a first week waiver pickup than somebody who you can trust in your flex. So I'm the volume alone. I'm starting Curtis Samuel probably moving forward. Yeah, it's definitely, I don't think he was injured these past, like definitely last year. And I'm, he knock just came back. I'm knocking on wood. He started and he came back and he's just hogging targets from my guy, Terry McLaurin. So Curtis Samuel, solid play, especially he is that, like, he's a dual-threat wide receiver. So, so, Curtis Samuel, solid. But my guy, long-hated on in fantasy circles, mainly because his team never gives him a full chance, a full workload to really show what he can do. But I saw it. I always saw it. Because because of the name of the podcast, the eye, eye test, guys. And that, who we are talking about is Devin fucking Singletary. Finally, wow. I feel, finally, I feel like he is ascending from, like, he was always, like, a borderline flex play, not necessarily always riding the bench, and could be a decent fill-in. I feel like now, he is fi- Buffalo is finally realizing he is easily their best running back in the backfield, and you just look at it this week. James Cook barely played, only got one target put up zero points. Zach Marie rush attempts, six yards, no catch. Devin Singletary, if he didn't kneel at the goal line, would have had a touchdown, you know, 50 yards rushing and caught like four passes as well. So he's involved in the passing game as well. And in that Buffalo offense, I mean, come on, Josh Allen's just going to sling all day. And if he passes, he deserves a flex spot. So I don't really think you can go with Devin Singletary unless you have better options, obviously. But it's a sigh of relief for me, at least, because I've had him multiple times and Buffalo realizing what he's worth. So Devin Singletary finally deserves that flex spot. And he is my what flex? What's in the flex? What's in the flex? What's in the flex? All right, guys, we talked about people. I don't even know what movie with... is that from. What is that Dude, from? it's Seven with Brad Pitt. You got to watch it. Paul knows oh, all these horror movie? Paul knows all these random like movie quotes that I have no idea. I never would have guessed something like that. 
<laughs> All right, boys. We talked about players that ascended from our bench into our starting lineups. Now, now we're going to talk about some studs of the week. But on this podcast, we call them something different. We call them fillets. Yes. Fillets. Yeah, we the, do. Oh. The best steak that you could buy. So, John, we're going to start with you. You did quarterbacks this week. Who is your fillet quarterback of the week? You know, this actually works out perfectly because not only did he perform much better than last week, and he was also a top five quarterback this week, he also is like arguably one of the best looking quarterbacks in the league, which just goes great with fillets because a fillet looks so good. Um, Are we talking Jimmy G? We're not. He's he's <laughs> like a, that dude's like a porterhouse steak. Yeah. <laughs> no, Certified organic. And we don't, I don't know how is Jimmy G doing. He just ran for. First down. Oh, he might have just got hurt. Oh, no, he's fine. No. All right, back on track. My my fillet is Tom Brady. Tom and Brady. I'll tell you why it's Tom Brady. Yeah. And, you know, they lost the game. But it just seems like every year we think Tom Brady has lost his potential in the beginning yep. of the season. Yep. And then we realize at the end that Tom Brady is still Tom Brady. So I think we're at that point now. We're done that first quarter of football. We're into the second quarter of the season. And, uh, I mean, we saw last night what he can do when all of his receiving core is together, especially noting Mike Evans's performance. But, I mean, yeah. he had Julio, Godwin, Lenny, just full force, ready to go. Julio did nothing. Yeah. But, anyway, he's on the field. That's all he's there for, stretch the field. But, yeah. in terms of Brady and, like, his performance, he did have just as good as a performance as Mahomes did. And, of course, Mahomes won the game. But Brady did not have an interception like Mahomes did. So, I feel like that gave Brady the edge. And also you have to think about where Brady came from last week, a poor performance where he was the quarterback 17 in week three. He is now the quarterback four, unless Jimmy G and Matt Stafford have a great game. So I think that's just, you know, he deserves that fillet spot for bouncing back from a rough week and giving the Chiefs a run for their money. Yeah, no, Brady, and I completely agree with you there. It seems every year Tom Brady's counted out, but let's be honest, he always figures it out and the bucks are getting healthy now so definitely a deserving fillet paul you had the pleasure of picking the, the fillet wide receiver of the week who might yeah. that be <clears throat> so honestly if we recorded this any later i might have picked debo samuel he just caught a no! oh, i just traded i just traded i know him. i just <laughs> lost my fantasy week for that and he looked good doing it too damn it yeah yeah, but no, so I feel like I have to do an honorable mention for Justin Jefferson because he really did pop off this week. He had 13 targets, 10 catches, 150 yards, and a rushing score. So if you're a Justin Jefferson owner, you invested a, five, a top five pick in him. Breathe easy. It's looking good. But my filet that I'm picking this week is somebody that we've already touched a little bit, and that's T. Higgins. My Ooh, guy like is it. out I here like taking the Bengals offense by storm, making people question Jamar Chase who? And T. Higgins had nine targets, seven catches, 124 yards, and a touchdown. I was huge on Higgins in the third round this year. Unfortunately, he didn't fall to me. I would have loved to grab him in the third round. But this is one of the few receiving cores in the league where both wide receivers could be wide receiver one for fantasy purposes. And T. Higgins showed why he was definitely worth a third or fourth. If you got him in the fourth, that's amazing. But I know some people were even reaching yeah. for him late second. So – he just looked – he looks so good, and the stats are backing that up. Yeah. 
Absolutely. T. Higgins, very deserving filet as well. And now I got the pleasure of choosing a running back filet and an inflate. We'll start with the tight end, kind of forgotten about position, not very deep, but an extremely noteworthy filet this week, and especially in terms of the performance. We're talking TJ Hawkinson completely mm-hmm. blew up this week. Pretty yeah. sure like 45 points in our main league just went completely ridiculous. We're just going to roll off some stats here, even though we don't do it that much here. Eight catch, 179 yards on 12 targets. That's unheard of for a tight end. And two touchdowns as well. Even added a little sprinkle on top with a two-point conversion. Just mm. absolutely insane numbers from him. I will say, I don't believe he'll probably keep that up. Remember, St. Brown was out this week. DJ Shark was out this week. DeAndre Swift was out this week. So might be, or I think it's definitely an outlier performance, but, but very deserving play and probably might probably is the last time he'll be the tight end filet this year. I'm noticing a little bit of a pattern because if we remember last year, Amon Rob Brown was when he was newer to the league and he wasn't really implemented into that offense yet. It was all T-Hawk until he got injured. And then that's when we saw the emergence of Amon Ross St. Brown. So noticing a little bit of pattern here where like they both can't be on the field at the same time and both perform like it's usually one or the other. Yeah, I'd like to this see one. how many games they both had like stellar performances side yeah. by side. Yeah, that's, this, oh, that's a solid point, John. Yeah, going off that too. This Lions offense is potent, guys. Oh, <laughs> this man, Lions they offense so much. is potent. A lot of playmakers, and it's it's nice to finally see. Even though none of us are Lions fans, like it's nice to see that the Lions are like picking it up and kind of figured out somewhat. So yeah, but moving. I like moving when the Packers off the have competition. Yeah, exactly. They've been running through everyone for the past, like, 10 years, it feels like. But moving off the tight ends, moving to the running back position. And this guy was hearing a little bit of chatter. I mean, I'm sure he wasn't physically hearing it. But in fantasy circles, everyone was hearing it. Is this guy a bust for his ADP, all that stuff? And he put that to bed immediately. Paul, I think you mentioned him a little bit earlier. Austin Eckler finally justifying his ADP. Three touchdowns, two rush touchdowns, one receiving touchdown, six catches, 49 yards on seven targets, also 13 carries for 60 yards, and that's good for, like, almost 35 points in our main league. Yeah, it looked like the old Austin Eckler we knew and loved. Yep. Yeah, if he had a, if he had a dud this week. I would be hammering the panic button on Austin Eckler. So this yeah. was Me too. this was good to see for just fantasy purposes. Absolutely. Absolutely. But guys, but guys, with fillets, there's always something that comes with it on this show. And it's something that can't go without mentioning. And that is the flanks of the week. Those store-bought steaks that you'll just leave there. They're kind of brown. You don't want them at all. You'll eat them if you're desperate, though. So... Paul, we're going to start with you. Who was the wide receiver flank that you're just leaving on the shelf? Yeah, so my wide receiver flank comes from an offense that was supposedly high-powered offense, and his name is Josh Palmer, wide receiver for the Chargers. Keenan Allen has not – yeah. 
Keenan Allen has not been playing, which as a Josh Palmer owner, I was very excited for and even considered putting him in the flex spot. He has been seeing some decent targets with Keenan out, and he did have a decent game last week. And I believe two weeks ago, he also played pretty well. But he only had one target this week. The Chargers just are not passing the eye test, in my opinion. They don't look mm-hmm. like they don't look like what they're supposed to. I understand Herbert's battling a rib injury and all that stuff, but still, Mike Williams played well. But Josh Palmer, I feel like he wasn't even on the field. Like every time I clicked over that game, I wasn't seeing him. Just one target, and when Keenan comes back, that's even worse for him. So he's. He dudded for me. He's my flank stake. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Chargers just, like you said, the eye, they're not passing the eye test, and they desperately need Keenan Allen back. They need that receiver, even not really a home run threat. Possession receiver that you know is going to run those routes and always be there. He's Herbert's security. The Chargers desperately need him. But we're going to talk, talk tight end now. And this guy completely laid a goose egg. Like, I mean a goose egg. Didn't put up a single point from the tight end position. And this guy was drafted pretty high in redraft leagues. Dalton Schultz, just yeah, guy that's just zero Did he play points. the full game? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. He left last week's game early. But ever since Cooper Rush has come in, just hasn't been looking his way. Who knows for what reason it is. He just favors the trust CD more and like those guys likes throwing to the outside more than the middle of the field. But big goose egg from Dalton Schultz again. And he was drafted pretty high. So he's my flank of the week from the 10 position. You definitely expected more from him in terms of his ADP. Cowboys offense right now, not named CD Lamb. Cooper Rush has done he's done okay, like we've talked about, but Dalton Schultz was supposed to be a top six tight end, and it's just not looking. It's not working out. He hasn't done shit since week one. It's the hardest position to predict. Definitely. Definitely. All right, John. Who is your think from the quarterback position this week? There were a lot of them. There were a lot of them. Is this another good looking quarterback? Uh it depends who you ask. (laughs) Depends who you ask. I don't think he's good looking. I hate his hair. His name's Trevor Lawrence, and I promise I'm not doing this on purpose because this is two flanks in a row where I've had the quarterback that went against the Eagles be my flank of the week. But, I mean, Trevor Lawrence had such a good performance last week. There were probably a bunch of fantasy owners out there that were like, all right, Trevor Lawrence, like, I've seen what he can do. I'm going to start him this week. And he played the Eagles in the worst possible weather possible i was at the game it was torture it was just wind driven rain like right to for me the left side of my face like if the game was playing over here i had to watch the jumbo screen this way like it was freezing cold you couldn't sit down everyone was just standing up it was ridiculous so like one the weather wasn't allowing him to be a throwing quarterback and that's the problem. He continued to try to pass the ball. Like, the Eagles pivoted. They just handed it to Miles Sanders every single play. And Trevor Lawrence continued to try to pass. And, I mean, granted, that was because of the game script. They were down 29-14 at some point. He had to try and play hero ball. But it resulted in Trevor Lawrence making history, actually, on the wrong side of history. He is the first player this century to lose four fumbles in one game. Congratulations, Trevor Lawrence. You flank piece of shit. Uh, wow. 
Wow, yeah. that's a good stat. That's a good stat. Trevor, Trevor Lawrence was horrible this week. He, uh, I think it's a little unfair, though, because well, the Eagles' yeah. defense is so good. Like, they're just I so know. hard. <laughs> I know. You know what, though? If he had, like, re- chose to rely on the running game and be a game manager like a good quarterback does, then he wouldn't be my flank, like, even if he was low scoring. Because, like, Jalen Hurts was low scoring, but he just was a good quarterback this week, like, smart. Yeah, he, he didn't. He didn't lose his team the game. For Lawrence, pretty much, you don't win those games when you're turning the ball over four yeah. four times, losing four fumbles. It just doesn't happen. Dude, when and it's shit for fans. Exactly. When the Jaguars had some momentum going, they were playing pretty well. They were still down 29-14. They were about to make it a one-possession game with a ton of time left in the game. I think this is somewhere out, somewhere in the, like the middle of the third quarter. They were in the red zone, and he threw a good ball. But he threw it too high. Like, he threw a floater as opposed to, like, a laser. Like, zip it over to the receiver. And that resulted in giving James Bradbury a ton of time to pick the ball off. So, it was just a poor style throw choice by Trevor Lawrence. So, like, he just wasn't – we were too loud at the stadium. He couldn't concentrate. And that resulted in him being the flank of the week. Go Birds. Uh, (laughs) Go Birds. All right. And yes, <laughs> let's go, Bob. Go, go I got to admit, I used to really, I got to admit living in California now has made me hate the birds less because I'm not around you guys as much. So yeah. it's kind of made me like appreciate them more, more like I used Thank to you. before we went to school and everything like that. So there's a little yeah. nice little brownie points with the Eagles. But Thank you. Moving on to the running back flank of the week. And we talked about him a little bit earlier, potentially coming fantasy irrelevant on our overreaction Monday segment. And it's Dalvin Cook. Again, just not passing the eye test for me. Has he even gotten in the end zone yet this year? Only 10 fantasy points. It just, to me... This kind of feels like the beginning of the end for him, not as an NFL player, obviously, but as a high-end fantasy player. He may not even put up those numbers this year. I'm very bearish on Dalvin Cook, and that's why he's getting my flank of the week. I think this is the beginning of the end for him. Yeah, he's not a- tough <laughs> words for me for him. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, the day that Dalvin Cook isn't an RB1 is going to be a sad day for us, especially how long we've been playing fantasy football together. Uh, yeah, it's like an obituary. I feel like I just did an obituary. Celebration of life for Dalvin Cook's fantasy. <laughs> for fantasy, just... for fantasy, not of life, not of life. Yeah, he's life. yeah, he's not dead. He's not dead. He's fine. <laughs> just missing. Like the fact that Madison vultured that touchdown for him when he was fully healthy, just like it again. The, the eye test, like that, just does not look good. It just doesn't. Yeah, yeah it's tough. Very tough. Very tough. All right, guys. So now, another new segment. We've pivoted a little bit from our previous episodes, bringing in new things to the show, trying things out, getting the juices flowing. Now, we had we had our talk about flanks, and this new segment is called Nacho Libre, Get That Corn Out of My Face, courtesy of Paul Orlando. Got to give you the shout-out for that idea. And basically the idea behind this segment is that this is a player kind of the opposite of what's in the flex. It is players that you are downgrading from your starting lineup onto your bench because 
because they have just played absolute shit. So, Paul, you came up with this segment idea, so I'm going to let you kick it off. Who is that guy for you? Who is going from your starting lineup to the bench now? Because Yeah, so Nacho Libre is my favorite movie of all time, and for those who haven't seen it, I highly recommend looking up the funniest moments of it. When Jack Black, who's not Libre, says, get that corn out of my face. And he smacks this like <laughs> like the street corn. And it just, oh, my God, it cracks me up every single time. So the guy I'm picking right now is Gabe Davis. I demoted him from my bench this week. And he is going to be stuck there until he produces a high-volume good game, not just a three-catch, 100-yard type of game. I want to see at least five or six catches for a decent amount of yardage before I even consider putting him back in the lineup. It sucks because I used a fourth-round pick on him. I was super high on him. Maybe I had the recency bias with that four-touchdown playoff game that he had against Kansas City. But he has been playing on a hobbled ankle, which is a big part of that. But as of right now, he had like one catch and was barely noticeable on the field. Gabe Davis has not seen my starting lineup for the foreseeable future. Paul, me and you agree on that because we both have the same player in the same segment. Gabe Davis is my get that corn out of my face player. I traded for him this week or last week in our dynasty league. Still not concerned about him long-term or anything like that. Young player. The Bills offense is amazing. Josh Allen will always be there and everything like that. But in terms of redraft, He's definitely not someone on your starting lineup anymore. Paul, you said it best. He's just not getting the volume, and you can't rely on a 50-yard pass to get him his fantasy points. So he's out of my starting lineup until I start to see more volume and for him to be a little bit healthier too because the ankle's definitely bothering him. But, John, I'm hoping you don't have Gabe Davis as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no i have elijah moore dude i want to cut him so bad i want him off my team i don't even want him on the bench this guy he can't even get over 50 yards which means that most of his catches and he doesn't even have much but most of his catches are catches where he just gets tackled immediately or he's catching it and going right to the ground it's like he's not doing anything once he catches the ball which we all know our elite receivers do that they have the yards after the catch stat where they catch the ball and they run and they use their agility to get around defenders and score touchdowns which elijah moore doesn't do either and he's in my starting lineup every week for the last four weeks he's in my starting lineup no one's gonna accept him in any trade offers and is that because he's the best? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think Dynasty is your best bet if you have him there. I'll say no. I that's yeah, Elijah Moore is on my dynasty team. I hate him. He's not good. <laughs> Garrett Wilson yeah. is taking over that spot. Dude, look at Elijah Moore's stats. He was only relevant last year between weeks seven and thirteen, which are like the most pointless weeks in fantasy football to be good at because you know you want your guys in the late of the season to perform well, to help you make a playoff push. And, uh, well, Elijah Moore might have helped you get into the playoffs, but he did not perform once you were in it. And, yeah. like, we like you need to have players that are good right out of the gate. It's important to win those first couple games of the season because that's when everyone's at their healthiest. So you need to get your wins early. And 
accept the losses you get in the middle of your season when people are starting to get banged up. And then you hope that they recover and perform just as well as they did in the beginning of the season. I just, I don't know. I want him off my team. And you know what sucks? I have to start him because all my receivers on my dynasty bench suck too. So it's like Elijah Moore technically gives me the most potential. So yeah, it's rough for Elijah Moore owners right now. I mean, get that that more out of my face. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good spin, John. Get that corn out of my face. Get that more out of my face. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think in your case with Dynasty, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be panning yet. This Jets offense is still very young. And still in redraft, you're probably screwed because you can't really figure it out in redraft. Dynasty, you have time. Still very young. Jets offense as a whole is young. So I wouldn't be panicking just yet on Elijah Moore. But people were definitely exploring at this point. But I think Zach Wilson may be bring a little bit more Elijah Moore stats, but we'll see. So that concludes our first series of the get that corn out of my face segment. <laughs> and we are moving I on. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and we're now going to move on to the rapid round. Oh, I John forgot Martin. about this. <laughs> Dude, the rapid rounds are the best. Rather, <laughs> I don't get to participate, really. I just get to ask the question. But Fun to see your guys' reaction because you guys don't know what's coming. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. We're just right into it. All right. First rapid round question. Chris Godwin, wide receiver two plus rest of season. He had 10 targets in his first game, fully healthy this week, seven receptions for 15 yards. Wide receiver two plus for the rest of the season. Paul. I'm going to go no. I'm going to go really? now. Really? Yeah, I'm going to go now. And the only reason is because I think the Bucks offense just looks laggy in general. And Tom Brady just loves Mike Evans. And so I think Mike's going to be the guy he looks for. And Lenny's going to be the dump-off guy. And Godwin might get lost in the sauce. Dude, you're going to really I'll... just shut down 10 targets in his first game back, Paul? I don't want to hear it. Yeah, I don't want to hear it, Paul. I... John, give me something I want to hear. I'm going to say yes to that, Bob. I do think that he'll be a wide receiver, too. And it's because Tom Brady's the quarterback, and he throws to so many different people. He will – if you're open, like, Tom Brady sees it. He's got, like, 12 eyes. He's, like, looking everywhere. And so he'll pull the trigger, and we saw that. He was able to pepper Evans and Godwin. I don't know how many – do we know how many points Godwin got in standard PPR leagues? He had, like – he's on my team. He had almost 13. Seven yep. receptions, 15 yards. And, yeah, so, you know, he's a Ten touchdown targets away. Two. Ten he's targets, too. Exactly. He's a touchdown away from getting 18 points, which is what we like to see from our wide receiver ones, even. I'm happy with that. So, yeah, I mean, I see it. Tom Brady's the quarterback. If Godwin's open and he stays healthy, wide receiver, too. Yes, mark that down. People quickly forget how good Godwin was last season. And I think it's more of a matter of health at this point. If he's on the field... Brady's always going to be looking in his way. So, yeah. I and let's look agree. at his schedule for the next three weeks Falcons, Steelers, Panthers, Ravens. Oh, no. I'm going to shred the Ravens. He is. Uh, uh, that Ravens defense is Swiss cheese, bro. Bro, I don't even <laughs> want to talk about it. It just makes me so sad thinking about it. Kyle Hamilton and Marcus Williams, like, Marcus Williams was yelling at Kyle Hamilton like half the game because he's never in the right spot. <laughs> I'm happy the Jets didn't draft that. That guy, because it was under consideration. That's sauce. But yeah. how's he doing this year? He's doing good. He's really doing well. really well. He's doing really well. 
Cool. So it's good. The Jets got they're I'm pretty sure DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner. Definitely correct me if I'm wrong, but they're ranked in like the top twelve of top cornerbacks now in the league. But two Jets. Cool. Unheard of. Yeah. That's nice. Unheard dude. of. The, the Jets are a young <laughs> team. I'm, after that go birds comment from you, I'll be like a mini a mini. Yeah, Jets let's get on the train together. Let's get on the train together. Ooh, yeah, easy. I'll hop on. <laughs> I'm waiting in line. All right, I'll take that. All right, guys. Next rapid round. This is for our, this is for our friends who either are in dynasty leagues or regular redraft two quarterback leagues. Is Geno Smith a must start in two quarterback leagues? He is the twentieth overall ranked fantasy player in Yahoo right now. I'm going to go yes in two quarterback leagues. But that's the key words, two quarterback leagues. Of course. I mean, no one's starting him in one quarterback leagues or anything like that. There's too many other quarterbacks that you put above him. But he's been playing well. John, you look like you have something to say on that. It just uh, – I'm going to say – I'm going to say yes, but, like, you have to be super desperate in the quarterback position. Like, if Geno Smith is your second quarterback – then you probably didn't draft quarterbacks in the first couple draft positions in the first couple rounds, or you are dealing with injuries. So I get it. So yeah. Yeah. You can start Geno Smith. I mean, we've seen his ceiling 30, 31 points. That's flattering. So go for it. That's pretty good, man. I think. uh, Yeah. He's not, it's not one of those sexy players that you put in your lineup or anything like that, but he's playing better than guys like Kirk Cousins and Matt Ryan, who I'm, I'm pretty sure went before F's and everything like that. So that's the yes. thing. There's only so many like elite, elite quarterbacks. And when you're talking two quarterback leagues, you know, you're not going to be starting unless you just got very lucky and you and you were in the right draft position. You're not, not going to be starting Lamar Jackson like Jalen Hurts. It's just yeah, it's not possible. Right. You know? So I th- think he's definitely a must start in two quarterback leagues as well. All right. Now we're going to handcuffs. Handcuff rapid round question. Who is the better handcuff for the rest of the season? Rashad White or Alex Madison? That's a good one. I'm going to go with Rashad. Oh, God. White had kind of a. Rashad White. Oh, let's say it at the same time. Okay. Ready? No. Say it at the same time. Yeah, I got it. Three. One. Two. Three. Rashad Alexander White. Alexander Madison. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm going. Go ahead, John. You you can. I know you got the Madison tingle, so you. Well, yeah, I'm saying Madison here because we've seen what he can do when Dalvin Cook is out. Rashad White had a great game last night. It was with Lenny in there too like he was playing as well so i mean rashad white got the touchdown right i'm trying to think yeah it's just like in terms of handcuff madison can handle that workload i don't know if rashad white can handle the workload yet good point i like that yeah no those are like that a lot those are definitely good points i'm going with rashad white just because rashad white is like almost playing lenny out of his role i mean rashad white caught six passes last night i mean that's yeah, but that's nothing to shake a stick at. I mean, Lenny has been Tom right, Brady's you're guy. Right. You're right. And we all know that Brady pretty much picks and chooses that offense and who he wants on the field. So 
Brady trusts him. He looked good. I mean, and I also have him, so I want him to be at that one. Yeah, I have him in my yeah. other league too, so I would like if he – but it was a coming out party for him. So I think they're both behind injury-prone running backs. So who's to say that they're both not great handcuffs? Yeah, that was a good one, Bob. That was it's, a tough one. Like, the Bucks didn't run much last night, but, like, Rashad White's touchdown was on the goal line. He had six yards for the day. Like, if he didn't get that touchdown, he'd have eight points. I think it's more of a question of if he's going to, like, fill that James White type role now. Ooh, okay. Because, like, they've been working Leonard Fournette into the freaking ground with the pack, the rushing and everything, maybe. And Byron Leftwich, their offensive coordinator, said it earlier in the week that they're going to start getting him more often. Usually when they say that, it doesn't actually happen. But it actually happens. He might actually start to I think it's too early to say, but he could start, you know, maybe he could be on future episodes and what's in the flex. Who knows? Yeah, he could. He could. <laughs> one day, Rashad, one day. <laughs> All right. All right. Next one. We're talking wide receivers, two wide receivers on the same team, rest of season. Packers wide receivers. Alan Lazard or Romeo Dubs, Dubs. I think it's Dubs. I do, I'm no going to go with Dubs. I'm going to go with Dubs because it sounds better. Yeah. Alan Lazard or Romeo Dubs, rest of season. They both had good games this week. Alan Lazard didn't get a touchdown, but he had more yards and everything. Kind of a breakout performance from him this fantasy season. Tom, what do you think? Alan Lazard, because he's the veteran wide receiver. Aaron Rodgers has more trust in him right now, I guess, in terms of like – when they need a play and they need a completion, he's going to look for Lazard. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go the opposite. Oh. I'm going to go Dubs simply because 16 targets in the last two games. And I think Rodgers is like, I know what Alan Lazard is, and I know that he's just okay, but maybe I have lightning in a bottle with this young guy. So as long as he stays on Aaron Rodgers' good side, I don't see that changing. So I'll go Dubs. Yep. Okay. I like it. All right. Last one. Not so much a fantasy question. But this is gonna home for Paul or not. I wanted to throw in a little curveball here. Panic or patience? The Baltimore Ravens as a whole. Paul, you got to start this one off. Are you panicking or are you patient right now? Yeah, I'm definitely panicking. Like we are zero and five in our last five home games, and oh, that's we're funny. like two and ten in our last twelve games. And granted, Lamar wasn't playing the last like six or seven games of last year but the defense is constantly miscommunicating it's not like they're making physical mistakes they're making mental mistakes which does give me hope that they can clean that up but they can't score when it counts and they can't stop the other team from scoring when it counts so john harbaugh is a big analytics guy and it costs him yet again the game for electing to not go for the field goal there and at least go up three points and He's been listening to the analytics ever since that Seahawks game a couple years ago where we went for it and we scored a touchdown and we won. He's been, like, just doing that every single time. And, like, it's worked maybe once in the last ten times he's done it. Yeah. So, Harbaugh's on my hot seat. I really don't like the way he's making some calls, making some decisions. So, I am panicking a little. I am. Okay. John, how about you? Are you on Paul's side here? Yeah. No, you're right. And, honestly – I get Paul's frustration and his reason for panic just because he's a Ravens fan. I think that if the Eagles were playing like that, I'd be panicking too. But from an outside perspective, I'm going to exercise patience here 
really because of like let's look at the division that they're in they're in a division with the Steelers the Browns so the Ravens can definitely be one of the top two teams in that division this year I see the Browns falling I don't see the Steelers being that relevant even with Kenny Pickett under center I can still see them losing games just because of his when his youth comes into play like in terms of how to run a game or manage a game so it'll be Ravens and Bengals at the end of the season, dueling it out for the division. So we're going to exercise patience here. They got Dobbins back. If they can Dobbins make had a big dunk- game, not a big game. Yeah. Dobbins played really well. Exactly. And Lamar didn't. Like, Lamar didn't have that good of a game. So if the defense can make adjustments, then patience is a virtue here. Okay. I like it. I'm exercising patience too. Ravens historically always find a way to figure it out and can't really go against Jaharbaugh and when you have one of the best quarterbacks in the league as well, it's hard for me to imagine. Maybe I'm sure the fan expectations are very high with your Super Bowl and stuff like that. So you're probably panicking a little bit in terms of perspective, but I would not be panicking at all in terms of like playoffs or anything like, you know, just a matter of if they'll be able to get over the hump again this year. And it'll be tough in the AFC, as we know, with good quarterbacks out there. But that concludes our rapid rounds, boys. Nice. Yeah, I hope you guys are right about the Ravens. All right, guys. Last segment of the night. And this is different than usually we just talk about fantasy players and stuff like that. But we'll get into more general fantasy advice in terms of how to, like, coordinate your league and potentially even win your league. So today we're going to be talking about trades because it's getting to be that time of year where you're if you're one and three like me, I already made a big trade. Or if you're zero and four like Paul, you're kind of like, do I wait it out a little bit longer, or do I maybe make a trade and things up a little bit? So we're going to be talking trades, and in particular, like trade advice, really, of how to coordinate trades and how to make things happen without getting completely fleeced. So Paul, what's one big like trade tip that you have for people out there who are maybe considering pulling out a trade right now? Yeah. So like I said earlier, we're four weeks in, you kind of have an overall idea of how these players are going to play for the rest of the year. And so if you're one in three, oh, and four, and your team is just not putting up good numbers, but maybe you have like one stud running back or one stud receiver or somebody that you know that you can use to get maybe two or three additional pieces it might be time to shop him. It's going to be, if you're a Cooper Cup owner and the rest of your team is not so great, it's going to be horrible watching him leave your team. It's going to break your heart. But if you can get a Debo and then maybe like a Dobbins and bank on him playing super well for the rest of the year, if you can, and then maybe like a tight end, like a Zach Ertz, like if you can, especially in sleeper, you can do like three team trades. So maybe you can like try and work something out there with a bunch of people, but if your team is overall not doing well besides one player, it might be time to trade that piece to get additional pieces just to solidify your team. Yeah, I think that's definitely important. People tend to focus too much on like one specific player. Like, ah, oh, like you said, can't let Cooper go. If he's the only player putting up like over 15 points on your team consistently, you got to get some value out of that unless you just want to watch him go off and you lose every week. Something mm-hmm. like that. So another big thing, piggy big, piggy yeah, piggy backing off that is don't get like married to these players just because you you drafted Derrick Henry in the first round. And he's playing well now. Like if it requires it, 
like get rid of him. Get some value out of him if he's the only guy doing something on your team. I guess. Now, if you want to trade, like get a trade. Don't be like, oh my god, it's got to be the perfect trade. Do I get perfect value? Like sometimes you're gonna have to trade the best player in a deal to get a position of need that you really need. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, I think I kind of thought outside of the box here because there's two sides of a trade. There's the maybe the losing record team that needs to do the trade. And oftentimes they go after the top teams in the league. Uh, mm -hmm. Trying to get those players because they have a lot of performing fantasy players. The fact that I'm in that winning tier right now, I'm getting a ton of offers from my players. And I want to give advice to those teams that are three and one, four and oh. There's no reason for you to do trades right now. Everything that you drafted is working. Just because everyone else is trading in your league and it's like a keeping up with the Joneses effect, like, oh, if everyone else is trading, you get that FOMO. Uh, FOMO. So just understand you drafted a good team. That's the point of fantasy is to, you know, so like there's no point in trading unless you need to. So if you have one of the 0-4 teams, the 1-4 teams, those, those types of teams that are trying to trade for you, just turn them down unless they are giving you a deal that you just absolutely can't resist. You know, yeah. but you're going to be protect button a lot more when you're in the top of your league into the standings versus when you're down in the bottom and a little bit more desperate. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think I wouldn't completely shut down. Excuse me. It trades if you're in the top of the league. Like if you have a hole in your team, like they fulfill it, go for it. But definitely in terms of if you're at the, if you're in the top three of your league, did something right in terms of drafting. So there's no need to rush or anything like that. The teams that at the bottom are the ones that are going to have to make deals because they feel like they have to. Don't feel pressured to. Like last season, I was in pretty much the top of the league all year. I didn't make one single trade because you don't have to. Like you said, John, it's just unnecessary, yeah. you know? It, it feels good though. Yeah, it's like <laughs> great feeling when you realize that you want to trade. But like, let's not yeah. forget that can happen and you could be trading for one of the best guys like if you're one of those top tier teams you trade one of the guys that that's like your hole okay and say you get a deal that you can't resist you're getting like a nice star like he's a lot for my starting lineup like what happens when he goes down now you just traded away maybe some of your depth for that star player and now you have a star player that's injured that you received and you have no depth and now you're really screwed so exactly. i think that winning tier in terms of the in standings, you got to just look what everyone else is doing and watch from the bleachers. All right, guys, that concludes our episode. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to us on all platforms. We're on Spotify now. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on TikTok. If you didn't hear anything on this podcast that you maybe wanted to hear, we post a lot on TikTok, especially our waiver wire ads and something like that. So please follow us on that to see more content of us. Thanks again for listening. And remember, don't root for injuries so you can pick up their backups on waivers. It's just not cool. No fuck. Don't do it, dude, please. All right. Until next time. Peace. See you guys.